This is Carl Malamud for the Internet Multicasting Service. Today's Harper Audio presentation offers four-time Pulitzer Prize-winning poet Robert Frost reading West Running Brook and his classic story poem Death of a Hired Man in a recording made in 1956. Fred, where is North? North? North is there, my love. The brook runs west. West Running Brook, then call it. West Running Brook, men call it to this day. What does it think it's doing running west when all the other country brooks flow east to reach the ocean? It must be the brook can trust itself to go by contraries the way I can with you and, and you with me because we're... we're I don't know what we are. What are we? Young or new? There must be something. We said we two. Let's change that to we three. As you and I are married to each other, we'll both be married to the brook. We'll build our bridge across it, and the bridge shall be our arm thrown over it asleep beside it. Look, look, it's waving to us with a wave to let us know it hears me. Why, my dear... That wave's been standing off this jut of shore. The black stream catching on a sunken rock flung backward on itself in one white wave, and the white water rode the black forever. Not gaining, but not losing, like a bird, white feathers from the struggle of whose breast flecked the dark stream and flecked the darker pool below the point, and were at last driven wrinkled in a white scarf against the far shore alders. That wave's been standing off this jut of shore ever since rivers, I was going to say, were made in heaven. It wasn't waved to us. It wasn't, yet it was. If not to you, it was to me in an annunciation. Oh, if you take it off the ladyland, as twere the country of the Amazons, we men must see you to the confines of and leave you there, ourselves forbid to enter. It is your book. I have no more to say. Yes, you have too. Go on. You thought of something. Speaking of contraries, see how the brook in that white wave runs counter to itself. It is from that in water we were from long, long before we were from any creature. Here we, in our impatience of the steps, get back to the beginning of beginnings, the stream of everything that runs away. Some say existence, like a Piro and Pierrette, forever in one place, stands still and dances, but it runs away. It seriously, sadly runs away to fill the abyss's void with emptiness. It flows beside us in this water brook, but it flows over us. It flows between us to separate us for a panic moment. It flows between us over us and with us. And it is time, strength, tone, light, life, and love. And even substance lapsing unsubstantial, the universal cataract of death that spends to nothingness. And unresisted, save by some strange resistance in itself, not just a swerving, but a throwing back as if regret were in it and were sacred. 
It has this throwing backward on itself so that the fall of most of it is always raising a little, sending up a little. Our life runs down in sending up the clock. The brook runs down in sending up our life. The sun runs down in sending up the brook. And there is something sending up the sun. It is this backward motion toward the source against the stream that most we see ourselves in, the tribute of the current to the source. It is from this in nature we are from. It is most us. Today will be the day you said so. No, today will be the day you said the brook was called West Running Brook. Today will be the day of what we both said. Mary sat musing on the lamp flame at the table, waiting for Warren. When she heard his step, she ran on tiptoe down the darkened passage to meet him in the doorway with the news and put him on his guard. As Silas is back, she pushed Warren outward with her through the door and shut it after her. Be kind, she said. She took the market things from Warren's arms and set them on the porch, then drew him down to sit beside her on the wooden steps. When was I ever anything but kind to him? But I'll not have the fellow back, he said. I told him so last haying, didn't I? If he left then, I said that ended it. What good is he? Who else will harbor him at his age for the little he can do? What help he is, there's no depending on. Off he goes always when I need him most. He thinks he ought to earn a little pay, enough at least to buy tobacco with, so he won't have to beg or be beholden. All right, I say, I can't afford to pay any fixed wages, though I wish I could. Someone else can, then someone else will have to. I shouldn't mind his bettering himself, if that were what it was. You can be certain when he begins like that, there's someone at him trying to coax him off with pocket money in haying time when any help is scarce. In winter, he comes back to us. I'm done. Not so loud. He'll hear you, Mary said. I want him to. He'll have to sooner or later. He's worn out. He's asleep beside the stove. When I came up from Rose, I found him here, huddled against the barn door, fast asleep. Miserable sight, and frightening, too. You needn't smile. I, I didn't recognize him. I wasn't looking for him. And he's changed. Wait till you see. Where did you say he'd been? He didn't say. I dragged him to the house and gave him tea and tried to make him smoke. I tried to make him talk about his travels. Nothing but do. He just kept nodding off. What did he say? Did he say anything? But little. Anything. Mary confessed he said he'd come to ditch the meadow for me. Warren. Uh, but did he? I just want to know. Of course he did. What would you have him say? Surely you wouldn't grudge the poor old man some humble way to save his self-respect. He added, if you really care to know, he meant to clear the upper pasture, too. That sounds like something you've heard before. Warren, I wish you could have heard the way he jumbled everything. I stopped to look two or three times. He made me feel so queer to see if he was talking in his sleep. 
He ran on Harold Wilson. You remember the boy you had in hang four years since? He's finished school and teaching in his college. Silas declares you'll have to get him back. He says they two will make a team for work. Between them, they will lay this farm as smooth. The way he makes that in with other things. He thinks young Wilson, a likely lad, though daft on education. You know how they fought all through July under the blazing sun. Silas up on the cart to build the load. Harold along beside to pitch it on. Yes, I took care to keep well out of earshot. Well, those days troubled Silas like a dream. You wouldn't think they would, how some things linger. Harold's young college boy's assurance piqued him. After so many years, he still keeps finding good arguments he sees he might have used. I sympathize. I know just how it feels to think of the right thing to say too late. Harold's associated in his mind with Latin. He asked me what I thought of Harold saying he studied Latin like the violin because he liked it. That an argument. He said he couldn't make the boy believe he could find water with a hazel prong, which showed how much good school had ever done him. He wanted to go over that. But most of all, he thinks if he could have another chance to teach him how to build a load of hay. I know, that's Silas' one accomplishment. He bundles every forkful in its place and tags and numbers it for future reference so he can find and easily dislodge it in the unloading. Silas does that well. He takes it out in bunches like big bird's nests. You never see him standing on the hay. He's trying to lift, straining to lift himself. He thinks if he could teach him that, he'd be some good, perhaps, to someone in the world. He hates to see a boy the fool of books. Poor Silas, so concerned for other folk, and nothing to look backward to with pride, nothing to look forward to with hope. So now and never any different. Part of a moon was falling down the west, dragging the whole sky with it to the hills. Its light poured softly in her lap. She saw it and spread her apron to it. She put out her hand among the hop-like morning glory strings, taught with the dew from garden bed to ease, as if she played unheard some tenderness that wrought on him beside her in the night. Warren, she said, he is come home to die. You needn't be afraid he'll leave you this time. Home, he mocked gently. Yes, what else but home? It all depends on what you mean by home. Of course, he's nothing to us any more than was the hound that came a stranger to us out of the woods, worn out upon the trail. Home is the place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. I should have called it something you somehow haven't to deserve. Warren leaned out and took a step or two, picked up a little stick and brought it back and broke it in his hand and tossed it by. Silas has better claim on us, you think, than on his brother. Thirteen little miles as the road winds would bring him to his door. Silas has walked that far, no doubt, today. Why doesn't he go there? His brother's rich, a somebody, director in the bank. He never told us that. We know it, though. 
I think his brother ought to help, of course. I'll see to that if there is need. He ought of right to take him in and might be willing to. He may be better than appearances. But have some pity on Silas. Do you think if he had any pride in claiming kin or anything he looked for from his brother, he'd keep so still about him all this time? I wonder what's between them. I can tell you, Silas is what he is. We wouldn't mind him, but just the kind that kinsfolk can't abide. He never did a thing so very bad. He don't know why he isn't quite as good as anybody. Worthless though he were, he wouldn't be ashamed to please his brother. I can't think Si ever hurt anyone. No, but he hurt my heart the way he lay and rolled his old head on that sharp-edged chair back. He wouldn't let me put him on the lounge. You must go in and see what you can do. I made the bed up for him there tonight. Uh, you'll be surprised at him how much he's broken. His working days are done, I'm sure of it. I'd not be in a hurry to say that. I haven't been. So, look, see for yourself. But, Warren, please remember how it is. He's come to help you ditch the meadow. He has a plan. You mustn't laugh at him. He may not speak of it, then he may. I'll sit and see if that small sailing cloud will hit or miss the moon. Uh, it hit the moon, then there were three there making a dim row, the moon, the little silver cloud, and she. Warren returned. Too soon, it seemed to her. Slipped to her side, caught up her hand, and waited. Warren she questioned. Dead was all he answered. This has been Harper Audio. Harper Collins is the copyright owner of this recording and has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright laws to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of HarperCollins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio is provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly & Associates. Network connectivity for the Internet Multicasting Service is provided by UUNet Technologies and MFS Datanet.